Today on Ag News Daily. If you want to go buy Tesla and watch it double in price, hey, that opportunity was available. Listeners, happy Monday. Market Monday edition of Ag News Daily Podcast. Tanner and Delaney here. Going to be a week of bouncing around. I think we're almost going to get to go on a mini crop tour ourselves, aren't we? Well, it sounds that way, Tanner. You're going to have to give our listeners an update when you head to Wisconsin later this week. Yeah, Wisconsin and see how much we can see from a a plane. So uh, it'll be a good week for some updates. Maybe not such a good week for pollinating corn as we've got a stretch of hot weather still likely to hit most of the corn belt between Tuesday and Friday. We're looking at heat indexes ranging from 105 to 107 each afternoon through Friday this week. The hottest days will likely be Wednesday and Thursday. Severe thunderstorm warnings are in effect for parts of Nebraska, Iowa, Kansas, and northwestern Missouri. We could see winds up to 60 miles per hour overnight, nickel-sized hail potentially hitting the area. Damage to trees and homes are to be expected. We also saw the first hurricane of the season last week, or going through the weekend. Dawn was the first hurricane of the season, but was short-lived. It weakened as it entered cooler waters more than 300 miles southeast of Newfoundland. The Category 1, so not severe, did hit maximum sustained winds, peaking at 75 miles per hour. So just broke the threshold of 74 miles per hour, Delaney, to reach hurricane status. But now it is losing power and is now just considered um, a typhoon, if I read this correctly, a tropical system as far as that goes. But that's your weather updates for today. Well, I've got a couple of weather updates here myself, Tanner. After a dry start to the growing season, farmers in western Kentucky are being impacted by flash floods that could result in some crop losses. There was quite a bit of rain, it sounds like. One farmer in Pilot Oak, Kentucky, said his rain gauge measured 11.6 inches of rain on his farm in just 24 hours last week, Tanner. So that is a lot of rain in a short amount of time. Flash floods caused water to come up six feet high in this gentleman's field in particular. His crop is about 12 feet tall currently, so about half of his crop was submerged in water for about 12 hours and will likely not survive. He's definitely not alone in that report. Tanner, as it sounds like, there are a lot of farmers in western Kentucky that also dealt with similar challenges last week, but I had not been aware of this really short-lived flash flooding. Yeah, that was interesting. I I had seen everything up in the New England portion, northeastern portion of the U.S., but had not seen or heard much of that ourselves. We did get the July cattle report showed that U.S. beef and cow herds are continuing to decline through the first half of the year. The July 1 beef cow inventory was 29.4 million, which is 2.6% down year over year. This is the fifth year of a smaller beef cow inventory. Since 2018, the beef cow herd is down 3 million head. The five-year decrease is nearly 10%. Obviously, the smaller beef cow herd is part of general decrease in all cow numbers in the U.S. The total inventory of all cattle and calves on report was 95.9 million head. That's down 2.7% year over year. Total inventories of heifers were down 3.8%. 
uh, and you saw decreases in beef and dairy replacement heifers pretty much equal, along with a 5.2% decline in other heifers as far as that goes. Your inventory of steers over 500 pounds were down. Basically, to shorten up the article, Delaney, if you looked at a cattle category, every category was down a couple of percent. The cattle and feedlots as of July 1 was 13.1 million, which was down 2.2% year over year. Again, this is just due to the overall shortage in or the shortage of herd size throughout the US. So it doesn't look like this herd will rebound or gain and momentum into expansionary phases. So more than likely next year's July report will be the sixth year in a row of decreased herd sizes. Well, Tanner, we have some fresh news here coming from Russia, Ukraine. As the United Nations met last week on Friday, they've issued some critical warnings for Russia. At the United Nations Security Council on Friday, both the United Nations and especially China mentioned Russia specifically here and criticized what was currently going on with the lapse of the grain corridor deal. They gave a very specific warning, Tanner, saying that if Russia is not careful with what they're doing there in retaliation to that, that a military incident in the seas could have, quote, catastrophic consequences if Russia does anything drastic like that. But Tanner, some of the latest news that we're getting now out of Russia is the reason as to why they started to let the grain deal lapse. According to Russia, they've been complaining that the original conditions for Russian products like grain and fertilizer and global banking in some countries may be threatened. And that that's really their focus here to get the deal back on the table. But as far as why they're saying they've let the deal lapse, they said that Ukraine's grain hasn't been going toward humanitarian efforts. And that was their sole reason for doing the deal in the first place was to ensure that grain could get out for humanitarian efforts. But they're saying that grain simply is not going to be used for that and has not been used for that. And that's why they let the deal lapse. That's interesting that we keep getting those updates on the military side of it. Ukraine has claimed responsibility for drone strikes that hit Moscow and Crimea overnight. The Kremlin launched a barrage of new attacks on the southern port city of Odessa, which I'm sure we'll talk to talk about today on our marketing conversation. The strikes against Odessa damaged historic landmarks such as cathedrals and other cultural sites. Kiev states that they will definitely vow to retaliate. However, they've been struggling to fend off repeated attacks. Of course, Ukrainians, President Zelensky called for the lifting of European restrictions on exports via land following the collapse of the Black Sea grain deal. Meanwhile, Ukraine's defense minister admitted in a CNN interview that the counteroffensive is behind schedule. The large plan is not going according to plan. The official also stated that he will share a report with Washington this week about the U.S. applied supplied cluster munitions and where and what those plans will be in that offensive. So it still seems like the battle is raging on at peak capacity over there across the seas. It certainly does, Tanner. But here in the United States, we're continuing to have a battle with inflation. You're heading to the Federal Reserve later this week, so I think that'll be really interesting to hear insight from your trip. But ahead of this week's Federal 
Reserve meeting, a lot of analysts stand are expecting yet again another interest rate hike. Now, 100% odds are putting a rate hike to come later this week on Wednesday after the Fed meets, and that's going to be expected to be another 25-point hike. Tanner, however, things are starting to turn around a little bit, it sounds like, on Wall Street, because they're expecting this to be the final interest rate hike here in 2023. Yeah, it's tough to uh, state exactly what is going to be happening, but uh, it certainly does appear that it may be one of the last ones for some time being. So hopefully I have some updates there as well. Coming out of Wyndham, Minnesota, High Life Foods never installed a permanent sign in front of its pork packing plant in Wyndham, Minnesota. Instead, we now see Premium Iowa Pork, which operates plants in Laverne and Hospers, Iowa, purchasing Wyndham, Minnesota's plant at bankruptcy. The auction price was $13 million. Local officials, though, are still awaiting news from the owners. The Original High Life Food sign has now been taken down, and the old PM Wyndham, which was a beef packing plant concrete sign, is on display. High Life filed for bankruptcy in the spring and laid off its thousand person workforce, as we reported in June. Premium Iowa Pork, which operates successful plants in two Iowa cities, purchased that and will plan to open it as an expansion to their product facilities. The city expects to have more information about the plant's future here before fall. The director of Wyndham Economic Development Authority is waiting for the updated information from premium Iowa pork. Even if the plant does reopen to its full slaughter and processing capacity, the temperature, the temporary closure and population loss will affect schools and property tax revenue for years to come. Wyndham is a small town of less than 5,000 re- residents. And obviously when you lay a thousand people off locally, Delaney, that has a pretty big impact, but that's what I've got for headlines today. Is it time to look at markets? Well, Tanner, I think I am ready to take a look at markets here. And as we head into the closing session today, there's a lot of factors at play in the markets. Of course, we've got Russia-Ukraine battling it out here, Tanner, but we've also got hard red winter wheat season is wrapping up here as harvest is well underway in Kansas and many other states are almost wrapped up. I think Texas might pretty much be done at this point, Tanner, but that's certainly making an impact in the markets today. However. Really, today's winner by far was wheat, although all grains got a nice bump today. September corn added 33 and a half cents today to close at 560 and a half. Dece new crop corn, well above the $5 mark, added 32 cents today to close at 568 and a quarter. August soybeans today added 22 and a half cents at 1523 and a quarter. Nove new crop beans added 22 and three quarter cents to close at 1424 and a half. In the wheat pits here, the September hard red winter wheat contract added 58 and a quarter cent to close at 918 and a half. September Chicago wheat added 60 cents today, Tanner. That is a limit up move to close at 757 and a half. And in spring wheat today, we saw a nice bump in the September contract up 49 cents at 936. In the livestock pits here on this Monday afternoon, August live cattle shed $1.27 and a half to close at 178.75. August feeder cattle down $2.67.5 at 243.25. And August lean hogs down 57.5 cents today to close at 110. Tanner, let's turn it over to our Market Monday conversation for today.
Well, folks, we are chatting today with Tommy Grizafi of Advanced Trading at Agbo Media on Twitter. Tommy, markets are going a little crazy today. Oh, they are. They are. And, uh, you know, the markets give you a chance to buy them. It's interesting how hard we sold off on Friday in both wheat and corn. And here we are uh, up double and triple the amounts that we had sold off last week, or at least what we sold off last Friday, I say. Well, what's going on today? Is it just all this Russia-Ukraine fodder? Is it weather? What else is going on? Well, we do have the Russia-Ukraine, and I think the world's trying to have to figure out where, how much grain is not going to flow from there and where are we going to get it in the short term. I also think the funds are heavily involved in these markets. And when we go up, I think it's obviously the farmer's benefits, but when we go down, the farmer doesn't like it. So when we go down really hard because the funds are involved. People don't like it. When we go up a bunch, people like it a lot. Today was one of those we went up a bunch and the funds are heavily involved. Yeah, it's fascinating to see what is all taking place. How much of what's happening today is the news of advanced attacks on the Black Sea ports and where grain would be shipped out over there? Well, it's an interesting question, it's not like when I look at my trading tickets, a pie chart shows up and it says one third of today's rally was from a drought in hot weather in Iowa. The other two thirds were from there. It just happened. So what I can see on my tickets as a member of the board of trade, I'll tell you how much corn traded. I can see that 203,000 December corn contracts traded. I can see at 568, 5,000 traded, but it doesn't come with a name. And when I say that, it used to, right? You used to go down to the floor of the Board of Trade and you would see major participants come in and out of the pits and do big trades. So to your point, we used to be able to see who the participants are. Now we just see the prices. So whether you look at your iPhone or log on, I have uh, a real, real quotes, real machines, real live access to trading, really trade but I still don't have a clue who I'm trading with. Uh, I'll give you an example. There were some really large trades done in the SEP options. August options expired Friday, but my friend PJ said some SEP 710 corn calls traded today 2,000 times. Let's look at that. Uh, it might be a different strike. SEP 7, something like that. But they let me just give you a, a random, weird uh, option. Last night, SEP... Uh, sevens were trading, you could have bought $7 calls for three quarters of a penny, thirty-seven fifty, and they went up to two and a half pennies. So where else in the world can you spend thirty-seven fifty and a few hours later have a uh, $125? Uh, now, that's a positive story. Obviously, someone sold those calls and has the opposite of that. So it's not like you just, everyone just gets to go buy calls at night and they wake up in the morning, they're worth a lot. Someone had the uh, opposite trade of that. So I can't answer your question because it's not possible to answer, but I will make you a deal. If you could find someone who can answer that question, send them my way. We can make a lot of money together. (laughs) That's a deal. All right. Thank you. Tommy, when you look at today's markets and in really the last couple of trading sessions that we've seen some moves to the upside here, I mean, corn is well above $5 now which makes me think it's a good opportunity to make some sales. But do you think that folks have already sold out too much, too many bushels at this point to be able to take advantage of this rally? Or where do you see most of your clients landing? 
I would, that's a great question that I can't answer. I would say most clients are still undersold. Clients with big bushels in the I states are undersold. Uh, they're getting more sold on beans at these levels. They're getting a little bit more sold on corn. But if, if we were to turn around and go much lower, I think farmers would be like, ah, I should have sold more. My favorite thing to do, as you know, is to look towards next year. Look towards DS24, Nov24. I sold some futures today for some farmers up in North Dakota, and we sold SEP24 Minneapolis wheat at 860. And they are comfortable selling futures a year and a few months out because they like those prices. And that is true traditional hedging. And if you're confused up front, start to think about next year. Now, the one thing we know about this year still, we still have that 591 crop insurance. And so if you ask, why aren't farmers selling? This is the third time we've had an explosive rally. It's because they still have a better price through the federal government insurance than they do on their own. But the bushels will come to town and, uh, you know, bushels will uh, flow. What's different than this year, and I think our young friend Tanner knows this, is the cost of money. So rather than you ask me questions, I got to ask Tanner, do young farmers feel the pressure of this newfound cost of money as we go into a Fed meeting this week and interest rates on the short end, which is very much how uh, farm operating notes are priced, will farmers start to feel the squeeze in OND October, November, December, get ready to renew their operating and say, oh my, I'm paying 9% in interest rates. What do you think, Tanner? Yeah, there's been a lot more strategic conversations happening lately. It's the two different categories I'd put them in is what are ways that they can defer paying for purchases? So not putting balances on their operating notes as quickly whether it's just waiting two weeks or 30 days to pay an invoice in full or utilizing dealer financing at 0% or 2.5%, you know, something that is uh, much more attractive than regular operating note interest rates. And then the second one is how fast can I pay my operating down? So there's been a lot more conversations around fall delivery contracts. So that way, as soon as the crop's harvested, it can be sold, turned into cash and reduce that operating note balance ahead of next year. So it's been interesting to see there's a lot more strategy going in. The flip side of this is there's still a lot of liquidity in agriculture. So we're still not seeing maxed out operating notes, but you're right, the younger category are the ones that are typically borrowing more. Delaney, he was a wonderful guest. I think we'll have him back. What do you think? I think so too. That's probably the most eloquent thing I've ever heard Tanner say in the podcast. Hey, there you go. Tanner it's only is well, not talk about. good looking, but he's smart too. Well, I'll tell y'all, that's what's made my business so busy is that I can have an intelligent conversation with a farmer, a banker and say, can we take grain, turn it into cash? Can I buy you a March call, a May call, a July of next year call? Can I protect 2024 crop? You don't have crop insurance. And all this while this is happening, every time we have these spikes up with this Russia, Ukraine news or hot, dry weather, you're giving the rest of the world aka Brazil, Argentina, China actually plants a ton of corn to get into our business. So the very thing that uh, folks in the great state of Iowa or Illinois or any state where they are largely in a production agriculture, especially corn, feels like fertilizer and other things, you know, so goes the corn market, so goes other things, that 
we're giving people a really great chance to enter in agriculture at profitable levels. And when we go into losses, everyone still keeps farming. Interesting to note, fertilizer prices have collapsed uh, a lot recently. Bloomberg wrote a whole article about it last week, talking about how uh, fertilizer, or Bloomberg or the Wall Street Journal, I misspoke probably, but nonetheless, if you Google fertilizer prices or call your local dealer, it's very odd to have corn up 30, 35 cents and have fertilizer at a much level, much lower level than it was last year. So as we get back to what we might be seeing this week in the corn in the commodities, how much effect, where, where do you think this excessive heat in the I states, the corn belt could potentially send us this week? Um, I'm interested here by the time this podcast comes out, we will have uh, crop ratings from how things looked. I'm interested to see, did those stay the same, get worse, get better. I'm interested to see in the market reaction that, the heat, we won't know for a while because if you drive and look at crops, they look good, but that's not the same as walking in the field. So I'm hearing from some clients, it looked great from the road and it's very inconsistent inside. I've heard from clients also the opposite. I really thought I was in trouble in June and it rained at the end of June and July and I can't believe how well this crop came back. Uh, are you talking... I feel like the state of Iowa was planted at a great pace. Do you, and I haven't been there for a few weeks. Are we through pollination or right at it? Big difference. If you're, if you're going into pollination this week, this could be uh, trouble. If you've already pollinated and you handle three days of stress when maybe you've received beneficial rains here last week, big difference. So where are you on the uh, pollination meter on your crops? I think is going to have a lot to do with it, Tanner. Well, Tommy, any other big things you're watching this week? I mean, the Fed obviously is raising interest rates theoretically later this week. You know, what's your thoughts there? Do you think we're going to see another rate hike or do you think they're going to stick to their guns and this is it? Well, we'll see what they say. So they're going to make their decision and then they're going to have verbiage. We also watch the uh, FedWatch tool, the CME group. If you just Google CME FedWatch, that's a great tool. I'm amazed, absolutely amazed that Russia can blow up stuff in Ukraine and around there, and that the S&P is up 20, 22, the Dow Jones is up 200 as we speak, and the Nasdaq's up. Incredible run here in the stock market. So if you're grandma and you're older and you want to slap some money away at 5%, go see Tanner and the boys. They will uh, get you set up. If you want to go buy Tesla and watch it double in price, hey, that opportunity was available. I, I don't remember a time in my life or career where commodities were exploding, exploding today, per se, interest rates are attractive and the stock market's having a good year. It seems like you can't lose, but as we all know, futures and options have risk. We'll probably be limited down in everything tomorrow. And that, that really is a possibility. It, we could have some horrible days ahead here in the stocks and everything else. But overall, there is, to Tanner's point earlier, a lot of money in the system. There's a lot of financial health out there. So all systems go till they're not. And uh, when the music stops, let's all ho hope we have a chair to sit down on. Awesome, Tommy. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Certainly appreciate your time to chat markets. Thank you. Well, there you go, Delaney. Another great Market Monday conversation. A little surprise, I think, 
to a lot of us here on Monday, but it makes a lot of sense. But listeners, stick with us all week. We'll have more great conversations. Today, Delaney, though, should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go.